do its great work in our lives and transform our hearts into the likeness of your Son. And all this we pray through Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can, you can be seated. Great to be with all of you today. Um, we've, got, we've got kind of a, a special text, a unique text that we are looking at today. It's, it's often overlooked as we continue our journey here uh, in Philippians. Okay, in 1984, were any of you alive in 1984? Okay, three of us. Okay, 1984. You? No! Oh my goodness. I was born in 1978, so I was six. In 1984, Bonnie Tyler uh, released her famous song, I Need a Hero. I need a hero. You've maybe heard that song. And yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So uh, the first line of the song says, where have all the good men gone? That's an important uh, question. That's an important song. And our text today is going to kind of deal with that. Uh, A lot of what I'm going to say today, um, as we start talking about heroes, does focus a lot on men. But everything I'm saying, ladies, this is, this is pertinent to you and helpful to you, too. Certainly what I'm saying about men relates to you and as you look at men. Uh, but, but when I talk about heroes, I'm talking about men and women as heroes. But in our text, we're kind of talking about, the text is talking about men. And um, so I, I, I do want to speak to that, too. So William Bennett, um, October 2011, he said uh, on CNN, he, he, he wrote this, um, said this thing about why men are in trouble. He said this. Movies are filled with stories of men who refuse to grow up and refuse to take responsibility in relationships. Men, some obsessed with sex, treat women as toys to be discarded when things get complicated. There are all these different and conflicting signals. Our boys must decipher what it means to be a man, and for many of them it is hard to figure out, harder and harder to figure out. We may need to say to a number of our 20-something men, get off the video games five hours a day, get yourself together, get a challenging job, and get married. It's time for men to man up. And you've heard this discussion in our culture today where more and more um, the type of men that are, that are held up in our culture are these kind of irresponsible men that are still acting very, very childless. You see it in the movies, you see it in TVs. And then, but then sometimes uh, you kind of have the opposite. You've got these irresponsible men held up in the culture. And then you think, well, the, the kind of man I'm supposed to be is a man that's held up in the church. And sometimes the type of man that's held up in the church can seem just frankly pretty boring. Kind of, oh, he's just a, just a very nice guy. And he, you know, he ushers well. And wow, maybe I want to be that guy. And so you're kind of left as a, as a man going, what kind of man uh, does God call me to be? And, um, and, and then we also have this thing in our culture where we're not so much into heroes anymore in our culture, where we're more into celebrities. And there's a big difference between being a hero and being a celebrity. A hero is someone of character and substance. A celebrity is, some, is someone just of image and perception. A hero does the right thing regardless of how it's perceived. Uh, but a celebrity is just into image management, so much so in our day of social media and Instagram and photo op. Uh, A hero is someone you want to emulate. A celebrity is someone you kind of gossip about. So the way I want to define a hero is a hero is someone worthy of emulation, who helps people, and who makes a strong positive impact on others. A hero is someone worthy of emulation, who helps people, and who makes a strong positive impact on others. Uh, Heroes, in other words, change us. Heroes uh, are, that's another way of conceiving of a strong disciple of Jesus. Heroes change us. They make an impact on us. They they shape the church. They shape the culture. They shape the workplace. They shape their neighborhoods. So a question for you, 
What I want you to think about is, do you have any heroes? Do you have any heroes? And you don't have to say it out loud, but I want you to think about it. Can you think about, oh yeah, I don't mean a celebrity. I mean a hero. Someone that's a hero in your life. You look up to them. You want to emulate them. You believe that they're making a significant impact in this world for the glory of God and for the good of other people. Do you have any heroes that you look up to? And are you maybe a hero to other people? You know, I try to think about that in the church in terms of my sons. I've got three boys, uh, ages 12 and um, 11 and 9. And I try, to, I, I try to locate heroes in our church for them. I say, boys, see that guy? I want you to become like him. I want you to learn from him. I want you to, to follow, his, follow his example. What would it be like if your church was full of heroes to Silicon Valley? People thought, oh, I want to be like her. Oh, I want to be like him. What a, what a hero that person is. Um, we're dealing with, uh, in today's passage, we're going to look at four men. And I think that this is the most neglected passage in the entire book of Philippians. It's not often preached about, or when people get to this text, they just quickly kind of read it. It's just, oh, okay, it's just Paul's talking about some information. Let's get through this, and let's get on to the serious texts. Um, but it's a very important passage. Carl Barth, a generation ago, said um, you know, that this passage does not contain any direct teaching. And it doesn't really contain any direct teaching, yet it does represent 10% of this small letter. Uh, and it talks about these four men, these four heroes. And I think the four men we're going to learn about here in this passage, they really embody, they really emulate everything that the book of Philippians has been talking about. So please turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, uh, we begin in verse 19, and we take it to the end of the chapter. So we're going to, you know, we're taking this nice, deep, slow journey through Philippians, and today we will finally finish chapter 2. We'll be halfway done with the book. So Philippians 2, verse 19, this is the word of God. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, a fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow." I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So verse verse 29 tells us to honor such men. That honor is to be to be given to men like this, to heroic uh, people like this. At 28 different times in the New Testament, actually, we are told, uh, we are commanded to emulate, to imitate uh, certain people, people in the church who are pace setters, who, who set the pace for us about how we are called to live the Christian life. So we're going to look at four men in this passage today. Do you see the four men? Who, who's the first man you see in the passage today? What's his name? 
Timothy. Uh, is, there, is there a second man you see here? What's the second name that you see? Verse 25. Okay, I'm coming over to this side of the room. Verse 25, what do you see, guys? Verse 25. Verse 25. Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, okay? Epaphroditus. Then there's another, there's another guy here. Who would that be? Hint, he's writing the letter. Paul. Paul. Okay, and then there's another man who's spoken of in here. I'm getting a little tricky with this one, but his name is Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's start with Timothy. Okay, so Timothy, we know Timothy is from Lystra. That's, that, that's his home. And uh, he, he, had, uh, he was really mothered in the faith. He did not have a dad who was a Christian. Um, he had a, a Jewish mom, a Greek dad. His mom converted to Christianity. Uh, we read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. You've got to see how our whole Bible is connected with things. Paul writes, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. So he comes from this kind of generation of, of women who were Christians. Um, Paul, you know, he had, had him baptized him, had him circumcised. Um, so it wasn't a hindrance to the mission, the gospel, to Jewish people. Um, he was a co-worker. Timothy was a co-worker who was closest to Paul's heart. Um, he's often sent as one of Paul's messengers, as Paul sent these various letters to Thessalonica, to Corinth. He's actually a co-author. Timothy's a co-author of six of Paul's letters. And he was a young man uh, in, his, in his 20s as he began kind of pastoring and doing things. A, a young guy in his uh, 20s. And don't ever look, let anyone look down on you because you're young. You could be you know, 13 in this room, uh, and you could be this heroic person worthy of emulation in the faith as you live your life in your junior high, in your high school, in your, in your neighborhood. He's a young man. He's a young pastor. Uh, we learn about some qualities of Timothy here in this passage in Philippians 2. We learn in verse 20 that he's concerned for others' welfare. He's concerned for others' welfare. Look at what, uh, what Paul says. He says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul's saying, I don't have anyone else in my life that's quite like Timothy. The way in which this man is genuinely concerned for other people and not for himself and just cares about you so much, he's saying Timothy really stands out. Timothy is not focused on himself. He's focused on others. He really stands out. Then verse 22, he talks about Timothy's proven worth. You know his proven worth. In other words, he has this great track record. Timothy's got this great track record of faithfulness to God and love for other other people. you know, you want to look at that. When you, when you look at a leader, you want to see what's, what's their track, track record. So he's saying this man has already been faithful. He's already been fruitful. He's already you know, planted a church. Uh, he's, he, he, he becomes this man who um, is, two books of the Bible are named after this guy. First Timothy and, and, and Second Timothy. Uh, but it didn't start that way, which is incredible to think about. He didn't start out as this you know, heroic guy. He started out as this kind of young, ordinary guy. But Paul, this hero Paul, got a hold of his life, discipled him, mentored him, poured into his life, equipped him, helped him, trained him, and, and Timothy became you know, this really transformed man and really used of the Lord. Um, 
verse 22, we, we, we learn this. Um, you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in, a, in the gospel. Timothy's a gospel man. He just was so, he soaked in the gospel with Paul. Paul mentored him and discipled him in the gospel. And um, this became what drove Timothy's life, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's many things that can drive your life, and there's many worthy things to pursue in this life. But the supreme motivation of Timothy's life was the gospel, just like Paul's. Timothy was a Jesus, a Jesus man. So a question for us today is, where have all the Timothys gone? Men like Timothy are not elevated in our culture today. Men who are driven by the gospel of Jesus Christ, genuinely concerned for other people's welfare, a strong track record and character. Where have all the Timothys gone? Make sure that you honor Timothys here in this church. Make that deep part of your culture. Honor the young Timothys. Um, and I don't know the, what word I could use for... What's, what's a female name that starts with T, Timothy? I don't know. The Timothys and the Tinas, whatever. Yeah, honor the young Timothys and the young females who are living like that. And this doesn't mean that Timothy's perfect by any means. We learn from First and Second Timothy that he kind of would fear people sometimes. He'd get a little timid. He'd kind of shrink back from his calling and wonder, oh, could God really use me? He seems like he wrestled with some insecurity. Did God really use this imperfect man? And the Philippians needed this. The Philippians needed contact with a man like Timothy who could show them how to move forward in the faith. Next, we learn about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, he, he was a layman in the church. He, didn't, you know, he, he wasn't like an officially recognized uh, church planter or pastor or elder or anything. He's a layman. Um, he must have come from a pagan family, not a Christian family, because the name Epaphroditus comes from Epaphrodite. Epaphrodite, which is the female Greek goddess of sex. So you've got to think that's got to be an interesting thing he was working through in his story. Like, I'm named after the female Greek goddess of Sex, yet now I'm a follower of Jesus, but this is in my name, and that had to be an interesting thing. Um, and, and Paul is um, saying that he, he made this big journey. Epaphroditus traveled the 800 miles to Rome. Remember, Paul is in prison in Rome right now when he wrote this letter. So he made this journey all the way to Paul, 800 miles uh, to Rome. And this, if he took, took it by road, that, to, to do that journey by road, uh, Philippi to Rome, that would take two months. If he made the journey by sea, uh, it would go a little quicker, but it's more dangerous. So we're not sure the way in which he got there, but he's the one who brought this letter, excuse me, from Rome to Philippi. He, he took this letter from Paul in Rome to Philippi. So he kind of was with Paul in prison. He tucked, you know, the only, remember these were scrolls back then, so he took this, maybe the only copy of Philippians that existed, took the scroll, I don't know, tucked it into his cloak, and set out on the road, set out on the sea, and, and, and got this letter, Philippians, to the church of Philippi. And, and then this letter would have come to the church of Philippi, and the, the leaders of the church of Philippi, the pastors, the elders, would have, uh, the deacons, they would have gathered. Remember Philippi, the Philippian letter was addressed, um, look at chapter 1, verse uh, 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers, that means elders, and deacons. So it's this letter to all the saints, particularly highlighting the elders and the deacons who lead in the church. And they would have gathered the whole church together and they would have read this scroll from Paul. That only happened because Epaphroditus got it there. Epaphroditus did it. And look at some of the qualities we learned about Epaphroditus in this letter. Look at um, the words that Paul uses to describe this man. Um, a brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, a messenger, a minister. You know, these are these are these are great qualities to 
to describe this man. Uh, fellow brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, messenger, minister. This man cares about his team. He cares about his church. He cares about his brothers and sisters. He cares about his city. Uh, would people say this about you? Would people, would people say, oh yeah, he, she is my brother, my sister, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, my messenger, minister. This person's really accomplishing the mission of the gospel and is, is so helpful to all of us. Um, a soldier. Back then in the Roman army, referring to the Roman army, you fought as a soldier as a team. You, didn't, you weren't some solo soldier off by yourself. You fought as a team in the Roman army. You linked shields. You fought side by side. Paul's saying that's the kind of man that this is. And I really think when we think about true manhood, um, it's being a man who will pour your life out for the benefit of others. And I think true womanhood is the same, pouring your life out for the benefit of others. And then we learn that he's not just a team player, but he's a sacrificial leader. Verse 30, it says that he nearly died. He nearly died. He risked his life. He nearly died for the, for the work of, of Christ. You know, why did he do this? Well, because of the mission. Jesus is worth it all. He thought, Jesus is worth it. I'm going to all risk my life to advance the gospel, to see disciples made. And that's what true leadership has. Leader, true leadership, being a hero, it comes at a cost. Uh, sometimes a person wants leadership, but no responsibility, no sacrifice. Sometimes someone wants, oh, I want to be a leader. I want to be an elder in the church. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a deacon. I want to lead this. I want to lead that. I want to have this title. But they don't really want to take on the true weight of leadership that comes with it. And they don't want to make the sacrifice that is required to really lead and serve others. Um, I've heard one pastor say this about men. Uh, Men are like trucks. They drive straighter with a weighted load. And I think that's a good way to think about it. To to be a man, like a truck, you've got to have a weighted load in the back to help you drive straight and function best. And we do live at a time in a culture where I'd say men especially uh, can tend to gravitate away from taking on responsibility and true weight for the kingdom. So Epaphroditus has six verses of the Bible devoted to his name. Six verses of the Bible are devoted to this man because of his heroic leadership. Now, I want to, so we've talked about Timothy, we've talked about Epaphroditus, let's talk now third about Paul. Paul's the one writing this whole thing, and I think there's some things to learn about Paul here. Um, Paul's talking up other people. I love that. Paul is not an insecure leader. Paul's not saying, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the guy who started the church at Philippi, and just keep, let's, let's keep learning from me and keep your focus on me. He's not saying anything like that. He's really talking up other people. I think Paul is a man who's very secure, and the gospel of Jesus, and he loves seeing other leaders raised up and trained up and sent out. So he's talking, he's talking up Timothy, and he is talking up Epaphroditus, and he's, and he's someone who, who has no problem doing that. You know, if you, if, you struggle, if you struggle with being able to talk up other people and say, oh man, you've got to listen to this person, you've got to hang out with this person, go, go spend some time with them, let them disciple you, let them influence you, Read this thing that they wrote. Talk to them. If you struggle, struggle with that because you want people focused on you, then, then the gospel hasn't quite gone deep enough. We're not secure enough in the gospel to see other people really be successful and influential. All right. Verse 22, we learn that Paul fathered Timothy in the, in the faith. So Paul's reproducing leaders. He, he was like a father in the faith to Timothy. He fathered him in the faith. And he, he knew that that was really important. Um, you know, we're not done. I believe this is true in the Christian life true about being a leader, true about being a man, true about being a woman. Um, we're not done 
until those who come after us you know, are kind of done, until we've trained up new leadership, you know, until we've kind of replaced ourselves and raised up new leaders. And this becomes a real problem in the church, a real problem in the culture, when older men stop investing in younger men, when older women stop investing in younger women. And don't hear that right now. It's like someone 60 years old needs to invest in a 20-year-old. That's, that's part of it. But I'm saying you're 17, you can invest in someone who's, who's 15. You're a junior in high school, you can invest in a freshman in high school and help train them up in greater maturity in the Christian faith. That's really important to do. So, uh, you know, I'm asking you today, like, do you have any heroes? But I'm also asking you, are you a hero to, to anyone else? Are, are you reproducing? Um, in Acts 2, we learned that the church grew. You know, Phil, Pastor Phil's preaching through Acts. In Acts 2, you learned that the church grew from 120 people to 3,120 people in one day. One day, and so you, all of a sudden, you needed to have a bunch of people making disciples to, to mature those new Christians. So, Timothy, Epaphroditus, Paul, let's talk forth about Jesus. Jesus is in this text, Jesus is in this passage. Um, it says that Epaphroditus risked his life, he nearly died for the sake of the gospel. Uh, we know that Jesus didn't merely risk his life, he lost his life, he did die. Not for the sake of the gospel, but to give us the gospel. So he's this even profounder and more incredible example than Epaphroditus. This is the greatest hero that I want you to go away understanding in the text. Jesus. And Jesus didn't die for heroes. He died for villains. He died for broken, unheroic people. He died for you and me at our most unheroic, at our worst, at our most sinful. He died for you when you were the most unheroic. He died for you before you ever did a single thing that was worth emulating. Jesus loved you to death. And the secret for how you get in on in all this is to admit your sin and to recognize that Jesus is the real hero. And I want to call all of us to be heroes here in Silicon Valley, but the real hero, the ultimate hero in the story, and the real and true hero in your church is Jesus. Remember Paul's former life? But Paul's former life was persecuting the church. He was, he was not a man who was in any way um, heroic or anyone you wanted to emulate, but Jesus stepped into his life as a hero, died for him, forgave Paul of his sins, poured out the Holy Spirit into Paul, made Paul a new man. You know, when, when forgiveness comes into your life, when the gospel comes into your life, you're freed from the penalty of sin. And that's a lot of what we were just singing about, nothing can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. You're freed from the penalty of sin, forgiven, you're also freed from a second P, and that is the power of sin. You're freed from the power of sin, and sin no longer has power over you. Sin's still tempting, sin's still a force, but it no longer has power over you. You have power by the Holy Spirit to resist that temptation, to resist that sin, to fight that sin, and to be obedient to Jesus. And as we turn from the penalty of sin and are freed from the power of sin, Jesus transforms people like you and me into heroes. So, I'll just wrap up by saying um, we need a hero. Jesus is our ultimate hero. Um, you know, with the best man died for us so that we could all be made new and become real men and real women. Um, but we also need other heroes in our life. Look, would you be on the lookout this week and this month for Jesus to put into your life older, or it doesn't necessarily have to be older, but more mature men and women who you can look up to, who you can spend time with, who can play a heroic role in your life, who can teach you? Would you hopefully be the kind of person who has the humility to recognize you need that in your life? 
And would you be on the lookout for how Jesus is calling you to be a hero, to be a mentor, to be a leader, to be someone worth emulating in other people's life, in your workplace, in your school? And I think that's maybe the most rebellious, most countercultural thing you can do in our culture today, a culture that is so focused on self, for you to be the kind of person that goes out going, okay, how can I help other people? How can I be a hero to other people? How can I love others? Um, how can I mentor them? And that's what true greatness you know, is about. Um, showing up to be the Timothy, to be the Epaphroditus, to be the Paul that your workplace, that your culture, that your school needs. And your church and your city needs you to do this. Let me, let me pray for us. Living God, thank you for this overlooked passage of Philippians which teaches us about four incredible men. Timothy, Epaphroditus, Paul, and you, Jesus. I pray that by your grace, you would more and more transform us into people um, who turn away from sin, who follow true and worthy heroes in our life, and who can be heroic examples uh, to others uh, in our church and in our, in our spheres of influence here in Silicon Valley. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.